0: Hi, I'm Marika, and welcome to Money Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading floors in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest, and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired, and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindset, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me in this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. My guest today is Maureen, she's lived most of her life in France and is also half English. What makes her personality so interesting is that she has a strong general culture. She studied political science before going to London for arts. She now is an artistic director for an Instagram influencer, and as before, worked for several companies in interior design and cosmetics. She likes taking new challenges and pushing herself, but also knows how to slow down in life. She loves the South of France for that reason.
1: Hi, Maureen. How are you? Hello, Marie. I'm good. And you? Yeah, great. So happy to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much. And um, especially, I'm really excited because we have great subjects to speak about today, like with how money is perceived when we earn it versus when we are gifted it. And then we'll dig on a non-usual asset class, which is art. So really, really can't wait. <laughs> so in order to know more about you and your personality, basically, let's dig into your money mindset. So how at ease are you with money?
2: Okay, so openness about money. I think I'm quite open on this subject. Being French, I believe there's a sort of taboo in France about money, but I don't really have this kind of... um. I'm not going to say that, like, I love to, like, necessarily in all conversations talk about money, speaking about investments, talking about salaries. Yeah, I think that's fine.
1: Yeah. And do you speak about it with your friends and your family, or do you see a difference between the two? Well, the difference would be that, like, if
2: we have a discussion about how much we earn, it's definitely not a question I'm in mean, conversation I'll have with my parents, obviously. It would be more with my friends and, like, sort of getting to know, like, where you stand and, like, every time someone makes a move, like, how much did you manage to get versus your former salary? I think that would be the kind of conversation that we would have. And I think, like, perhaps now that we're in in our 30s, it's easier to have these kind of conversations because I think now that we all had, like, two, three, perhaps four jobs, I feel like being able to be more open about how much we earn is also a way of, how can I say, knowledge is empowerment, I would say. Like knowing how much my friends earn, it sort of helps me, I would say, you know, negotiate my salary with my employer. And I think it's great that like websites like as such as Glassdoor or I think LinkedIn is starting this as well, sort of give you an insight on how much people who do the same job as you earn, because I think it's a way of, you being more strong in the salary negotiation with a uh, big corporation, and I think like big corporations have more to earn from like the silence than from people speaking about their salaries. So
1: yeah. So so do you see a massive difference between like the artistic and the more like classical corporate job in the way you speak about money or how people are at ease? I would say because also like the off field is quite big and
2: it depends on where what you do where you do it how you do it I would say that in the artistic field in general salaries start quite low so that's something you have to bear in mind and it's common knowledge so I think like you know if you're speaking to someone that's at the same level as you there's like common understanding that you're not earning much money I think that's the reality. But then, you know, like if you work in the art field and that you like work with big artists or if you work in big corporations that make a lot of money, then you know that you can also benefit from this and then you're just the normal salary compared to people working in
1: any other field. So,
2: yeah, no, I think it's not that different in the end.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's always like passion versus like another job and which one should you wait more yeah I exactly I
2: think the only difference I would see but then it's only my personal experience is that people in the art field are I would say more passionate about their jobs and more willing to work a lot for quite little you know I mean that was the sort of um mindset of, you know all my friends in the artistic field is like well you know at first you have to work a lot and be ready even sometimes to work for free I mean that was the reality of this field so that was the big difference but then I think that you know it's also a field where then once you've earned trust experience it's just then like
1: anything else yeah and as long as your values align with what you're doing exactly then you, yeah it's great Cool. So if we go back to more your side, so are you more a big spender or thrifty? Materialist or not? These kind of things like, how do you value money? Okay,
2: I'm definitely not a big spender that I'm certain of. I always know how much I have on my bank account. I know how much I spend by, I mean, each month. And that's like my personality. I feel much better with myself if if I've managed to save money and put money aside than if I've, you know, like, oh, spent more this month or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. So um no, definitely not a spender. But though I wouldn't say I'm not, you know, it's like the way I spend my money also allows me to enjoy. I mean, you know, it's it's just a question of I don't spend that much on clothes or materials or anything. I spend more like on I would say experience I'm sure you're exactly <laughs> exactly all sorts so yeah and then so in that sense I'm not a big spender but I know how to spend my money in a way that I will feel it will grant me a certain like pleasure and gratification in that sense
1: and the fact that you're aware of like what you're spending what you're earning and so on and so on does it mean that you actually like managing your money and and do you spend time on it I never
2: really like sort of reflected on this, on my habits regarding money, which in a a sense means that I'm not, you know, that aware of managing money. I would say that I'm, you know, sort of a person that's, who's educated and has good sense. So everything I do is based on, I would say, very basic knowledge and basic habits of like, don't spend more than you earn try to save money and make and invest your money in like things that work I mean I'm not looking at anything in particular it's more like you know I read newspapers I speak with lots of different people so I'm sort of aware of things but then do I convert my awareness into being actively
1: (laughs) managing my money I would not say not that much that was actually my next question. So if ever you have like a a question on I don't know anything money related, how would you get that info? So probably reading the press as you said and if ever you would go to someone, who would that person be? Well, it would depend on what sort
2: of information I'm trying to get. I would definitely look for someone who's an expert in, in his field. I mean, In the field I'm curious about, and I would definitely first sort of think of who in my closest friends or at least friends would know the information. So, like for instance, I've got a friend who's a financial journalist. I have friends who used to work in finance or are still in finance. I have friends who work in funds. I have you know I have friends who work in different kinds of fields or they have all related to finance in different ways, and I think based on what would be my question, I would choose one of these friends. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, so yeah,
1: yeah. So, so you're well surrounded, and, and you're not shy about asking like help or support. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I I would never do it. You know, in a very um open
2: way, though. Not not that <laughs> I wouldn't be quite direct. know I wouldn't be that direct. It's not really my personality to be you know blunt although sometimes I can be but maybe not on these topics I would definitely like what I do is like I know you know among my friends who are aware of these things and when I spend time with them I I listen very carefully to what they say and it always stays in a you know part of my head and it's more like I ask questions I wouldn't say pretending because it's not pretending but it's more like I sort of delve into what their jobs are like and sort of ask questions and like, so what would you say to a person who uh blah 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 <laughs> and perhaps more not as obvious as I am now. <laughs> but yeah. So nourishing yourself basically from the experience and the exactly, exactly. I I don't think, you know, but it, it goes back to what you were saying about are you open with money? I am open on things related to money, but maybe not everything. And maybe I am open, but not in a way that it's like so obvious, you know, like I'm trying to get information, but I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm like hunting for information or something. So, yeah. But then, you know, it's not as if I was, you know, um, also that active also. So maybe that's why I'm sort of discreet. It's because I'm just asking like general questions more than very push. Mm
1: specific. Yeah. Cool. So you told me a few years ago, you've been lucky enough to receive a donation from your parents. So can you tell us a bit more, like especially your feelings, if you expected it, or it was like more of a surprise and your reaction about it? I've been given this. I'm very lucky.
2: It comes like with something greater than just money. It's about like my parents have this ethic of doing all they can for their kids and I think it's just like it's a value that I hope I'll be able to keep and also like be able to appreciate what you get and try to make the most of it to be worthy of
1: it Mm -hmm. I like the conclusions you draw from it so did you feel like a specific responsibility for it yeah it comes with like
2: how I was raised I mean I was never raised in a way where you know things are easy in the sense that my parents were like you have to work hard to get what you want obviously I got this donation but it never you know they never told us like oh you'll have a donation one day or whatever it was always like you need to be the best in what you do you need to you need to have ambition you need to fight for to achieve what you want to do and I think yeah the responsibility in of receiving something like this is obviously being worthy.
1: Very, very done to us, basically. Yeah. That's good. And do you think you would have used that money the same way as if you had earned it? So I know, like, you wanted, I mean, with this money, it enabled you to get a deposit and coupled with a mortgage, you actually bought a flat in Paris. So do you think, I don't know, you would have made the decision even though you didn't have this help? but maybe buying something smaller or in a different area or yeah how, how do you feel about it
2: yeah i think i would definitely have made the same choice in definitely something smaller in being able to buy a flat and having a, a place that's your own and yeah i think everyone i mean i would say most people start like this and i have to say that i wouldn't have been different from the majority of people
1: So even though you said you've been lucky, you still feel you need to really push yourself to show you're actually worth something yourself. And I think it shows you that you appreciate things and that it really enables you to take some perspective. So work-wise, you're about to move from a big cosmetic company to a small startup. So tell us a bit more about that move. Like What motivated you? Did you proactively look for that opportunity or someone contacted you? And where did you value money in that process? So, yes, I was working in a big corporation, big cosmetics company
2: as a creative designer. So it was a great experience. It's, you know, like big, big corporations also have like their advantages, being able to do lots of stuff, being able to have time to reflect on work ethics or even in terms of cosmetics you know like um sustainability all these kind of things that you don't have time to do when you work in a startup so yeah it was a great experience the only thing that really pushed me to do something else i mean to change was that after two years and even before two years i was feeling like i had you know mastered my job and that i was not you know learning more and i wasn't I wasn't exposed in a way that would allow me to make critical decisions or make, you know, that I wouldn't be able to influence the brand in the way I would like to. Obviously, when you're a designer and you have a creative mind, you really want to do stuff and big corporations are not always, you know, they say they want to be creative and they say they want to be out there and they want to, you know, you to push boundaries, but it's, that's what they say. That's not what they do. So that's, was really what motivated me. It was like, Oh, I I want to be in a situation where my job was going to be more dynamic, where I'll be able to stand up and say, like, I think this is a good idea. And I think this is a bad idea. And so I sort of really identified when I was um, in the company that I needed to be in a smaller company I think that would that would be better for me. And then I got the tip from inside and that's how it, it worked. And and then, you know, obviously I had to go through the recruitment process having um cases, I mean designs to work on and everything. But but yeah, I think it was the network that did most of it.
1: And where did you value money on that on that change?
2: I wasn't earning as much as I wanted. And plus I wasn't getting value for my work because. I considered that I worked a lot. I think there are other companies out there who would value my work more. And I was right. So that's why I changed.
1: Amazing. Brilliant. Well done. (laughs) So next subject is basically art. So you're an art connoisseur because you've like your personal curiosity, you've studied art and even like, you know, a lot of people in that field, of course. So, and I know you've actually bought a few pieces for you. So how do you see the art field? Like, is it a pleasure or do you think it's like an asset class, like a proper investment? First things first
2: is my passion. I've always been interested in the art field. I've always enjoyed going to exhibitions. I was always interested in artist life, what they do. And so, yeah, it's it's a passion. So it's not something, it's something that, I really enjoy and I love to, you know, yeah, how can I say? It's just like this field is part of my life in so many ways. And, And obviously, so I studied fine arts and decided to pursue a career that was more artistic than what I first studied. So first things first, it's a passion. So when I decided to buy art pieces, it was not because... I was thinking of investment at all. The first piece I bought was because I went to a gallery exhibition and I just fell in love with a statue. And I was like, oh, I, I would love to, to buy <laughs> that one. And yeah, and then, you know, I got the prize and I was thinking, well, actually, I I can afford it. And that's when I started buying my first piece. But it, it really, the motivation was really passion and you know, I wouldn't say falling in love with a piece, but actually like finding a piece that you feel like is like beautiful. So that's the main motivation. But then obviously being an art enthusiast and, you know, going to so many different exhibitions, having some sort of knowledge, having some sort of a knife for the arts, I've noticed over the years, and like, for instance, pieces that I enjoyed when 10 years ago, which were worth perhaps, I don't know, um, 5,000 euros, today are more around 45,000 euros. And there's a part of me who was like, oh, when I was 20, obviously I couldn't afford buying enough work at 5,000 euros. And obviously today I can't afford buying art piece at 45,000 euros. <laughs> so, and it's just like, I'm like, oh, I've missed something in the process. But yeah, so there's a part of me who was like, well you know if you can obviously you know enjoy an artwork and make a good investment out of it well then hooray it's like it's you know it's it's just a bonus but obviously money is not the first motivation for me
1: Mm -hmm, really clear so how do you keep track of artist exhibitions new tendencies or new way of doing things like how do you feed yourself well, first of all, I have, I receive daily newsletters on the art world.
2: I think I've sort of registered so many years ago and never sort of unsubscribed from these newsletters. So every day I get, I get the, I receive these newsletters, which I not necessarily read through and through, but at least I read the titles. When I see an article I'm interested in, I, I will read it. I also, a subscriber from um, art magazine, which I have been for more than 10 years as well, uh, which I receive every month. So, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got these subscriptions that help me maintain my knowledge of arts And, you know, I'm still aware of things. Then, you know, when you're interested in the arts, you know that there are annual events that sort of um, are necessary to go to if you want to, Yeah be aware of the art world and what's going on. That would be Art Basel, Art Basel Miami, there's Lefsaque in Paris, there's Freeze in London, so many big, big exhibitions, but then there are also smaller exhibitions and there are numerous galleries in Paris, London, New York, that are you know free and you can go whenever you want
1: and just see what's on. So yeah, like that's how I get the information. Mm-hmm. and for me it was not at all in that world so I really struggled to know what a painting or sculpture or any piece of art is worth because I don't necessarily know like or realize all the work that is behind them the techniques that I used um, if it's a pioneer idea or something so how do you know and especially because the price tags are not necessarily always written <laughs> this question the way you formulate it, it makes me
2: it's actually very funny because it's a very rational way of <laughs> and a very mathematical way of you know trying to grasp what art is and it's So it's not at all the way I would see it. I'm more like intuitive in that way. So I'm like, I don't think I've ever asked myself, like how much time did the artist spend on this artwork, our piece, and does it it have an impact on the price? I I think I've never really sort of asked myself this kind of question. So I was like, okay, this is definitely not the way I see art or I would go for it. I mean, to me, the first thing I would say to anyone interested or curious about art would be don't try and find out the price don't try and ask yourself whether it's going to be a good investment or not just go and do as many exhibitions as you can and try and sort of first understand what you like and what you don't like because I think like it's more about people being able to translate emotions in a material way creating something that's you know, beautiful, and but also speaks to the universal. And I feel that, you know, art is about emotions and it's about feeling. And if the way you approach art is through this kind of rational attitude, I think you're missing something. And, and I think it's not the right way of going by. Mm-hmm. Once you've defined what you like, I would say, start asking questions about the price and go to different galleries and try to understand why there's a difference in the price. And again, knowledge is empowerment. The more you know why a gallery, an artist is going to put that price on an artwork compared to another, the more you'll be aware of your your decisions regarding what you're going to buy. And obviously you have to know that like, and it is, it is, it is sad, but like for instance, if you go to big art exhibitions, let's say Frieze in London, these events are super, super expensive for galleries. So obviously the galleries who are in these big events, they will try and get their money back. And so the artworks in view will definitely be, I would say, a bit more expensive than they actually were. That's why I wouldn't necessarily recommend buying an artwork directly from these galleries during the event but like perhaps contacting them later on and you know trying to see whether or not the prices go down a bit.
1: Super interesting I never really thought about this one so thanks for the great tips and what I love the most is I can feel your passion when you speak it just makes me want to learn to go to exhibition to opened my eyes, really. So anyway, well, I think we're arriving at the end of this episode. So thank you so much, Maureen, for all of this info, this insights that were so interesting, really. So really appreciate your time.
2: I hope it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'll definitely ask you some more advice myself on art speaking ah, happy to help <laughs> happy to help yeah <laughs> okay so thank you so much
2: thank you thank you happy to spend this time with you <laughs> bye-bye
0: that's the end of this episode I hope you are as enthusiastic as I am if you like this podcast please subscribe and spread the word and if you want to go further in mastering this beautiful adventure of owning your finances, please contact me on Instagram at moneychillouts or on my website at maricafino.com. I offer workshops and coaching to guide you through.